7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in foggy London town, 12 midnight in Sydney, New South Wales, and in Malaysia, it's 1973. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, everyone. Have a seat. Grab a beverage or an adult beverage. Relax. We are halfway through the week. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. And uh, we are live once again across Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.tv, where you'll find our merchandise. Miko merchandise, like, uh, like this one. There's our Miko mug with our logo on it. Very nice. And, uh, yeah, that's at twitch.tv where you'll find the merchandise. Um, we also want to welcome in our uh, our podcast listeners. For those of you listening to the audio-only portion of our show, where you can find us across all your regular podcast places, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Javan, uh, Radio Public, you name it. If you're listening to a podcast, we're out there. And thank you for your subscriptions and your downloads. Appreciate it. It's going well. Numbers are up. Appreciate that very much. It means a lot. Doesn't cost you a dime. It's all free. Of course, also, you can find us on rumble.com slash Pants. Sign up for a free account. Subscribe over there, please, if you wouldn't mind. That, uh, again, helps a lot. really does. And lastly, if you really want to open up your hearts and your wallet, you can help me out by finding me on Patreon. Uh, Patreon over there is Jay Sheldon, and you can sign up for a subscription. And uh, I think Saturday night we are going to announce a very special, uh, a very special Patreon page for folks who are at a certain level of, uh, of uh, sponsorship there. Uh, we've done something with our book to not only encourage reading, which I always do, but uh, to encourage you to read to your kids. And um, so we will have that coming up. Uh, it's not much different from what we always do, but we've just put it into a new format. And uh, hopefully you're going to like it. So you will. Uh, and it won't be very expensive either. So. We'll, uh, we'll see you over there on Patreon. Uh, I expect to launch that on uh, Saturday, I believe. We'll see if it goes well. It's a lot of work, okay? I'm busting my ass for you folks. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What else we got going on here? Oh, I know what we've got going on here. We have something. Uh, we have uh, We have our normal updates which is the weather is great. It's wonderful. I have no complaints. I want to complain about something, but, oh, there's plenty to complain about, believe me. Like day 4,672 of our house arrest lockdown here. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but the weather is not something that I can put on my complaint list. It was overcast today. So, okay, you could complain not much sun, but the, the plus side of that is not much heat. It's actually a really pleasant night out tonight. The moon is hidden a little behind the, the high clouds and uh, looks looks pretty nice here in uh, in Malaysia. 
wherever you are on the planet, watching in or listening in, uh, I hope the weather's the same for you. Um, and we have a Miko update. Miko update. How about that? Hey, a brand new intro. Finally, we did for the Miko update. <laughs> not, not, not a whole lot to update you on today. Uh, she's, she's really pretty, uh, she's still a bit uh, depressed because she doesn't get to go for her nightly walks because, you know, people that don't believe in science uh, think that we should not be out in the sunshine, fresh air and, and vitamin D, you know, the good stuff for you that helps to fight things that could infect us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Miko is um, is doing well. This was her pose today out on the lawn, exposing herself for all the world to see. <laughs> Leo! Hey, hello from Aussie. Welcome. Welcome in, Leo. It's great to see you. Hope you're doing well down there. Really, uh, really nice to, uh, to have you along and, and watching, listening in. Uh, we just spoke uh, on the phone a short while ago, Leo, and uh, think about you often. Thanks for thanks for popping in and hello back to you there in uh, in Australia. Yeah, so Miko is uh, Miko's doing well. She was hanging out on the lawn today and uh, let's pop that back up to there we go. Uh, she was hanging out on the lawn, one of her favorite poses. When she's comfortable, you'll know she's comfortable because this is what she does. She just hang out there and expose it all to the world. <laughs> so she's got no problem with just you know. Here I am, world. Enjoy my bumpy bits. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. So, yeah, she's doing well. But again, for the last, uh, what has it been, a week, 10 days, we haven't been able to go for our, our nightly walks. So uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Shiba Inus have got a lot of downsides. They are stubborn as hell. They shed like crazy. But... Um, I can't remember when I've been so happy having a pet like that. She's more than a pet. She's part of the family. Uh, and here she is. Oh, cool. Hang on. I got to move the microphone a little bit. Come here, baby. You're not on camera. You're all right. Oh, there we go. Hi, buddy. Hello. Hi there. Hey, VJ. Good to see you on the uh, stream there. Thanks. Hey, Miko. Oh, okay? oh, yes, kisses. Oh, kisses, thank you. Thank you for the kisses. There is our live Miko update. My God, you're heavy. She weighs almost 10 kilos. It's probably 10 kilos now. Because, uh, are you getting fat? Are you getting fat a little bit? You're getting a little bit fat? Okay. You see this pretty dog up here? Look up there. You see there? Let's move the microphone a little bit. There we go. You see that? See that pretty dog? Who is that? That is Miko. Yeah. Want to say bye? All right. Okay, buddy. There you go. A live Miko update. <laughs> oh my! She really, seriously, she weighs a ton. She's so heavy. Okay, bud. You want to get down now? We just want to stay. You want to stay in my squeaky chair? You're gonna jump down. Okay. I think you make it. Watch the wires. Watch the wires, buddy. There you go. Good girl. 
All right. Oh, now she's all excited. <laughs> Good girl. All right. All right. Good job, bud. <laughs> I did not expect that. All right. Thank you, babe. Hello. Oh, you're going to jump back up? You can if you want to. Come along for the ride. Yeah. She's got her brand new collar on, too, with a little uh, tag. It says Miko, and it's got, uh, it's got our phone number on it, just in case. <laughs> All right, there you go. A live Miko update, an unexpectedly live Miko update. I'm glad you made it. <coughs> Hi, bud. Now <laughs> she wants to come back. <laughs> Believe me, watching Miko will be more interesting than what I've got planned tonight, other than our book. We're, we're continuing on with our book tonight, The Jungle Book, so we'll have that at the end of our stream. All right, we, we pre Miko rolling on the floor showing her tummy bits. Yeah, that's what she does, her bumpy bits. Uh, Want to become famous. Yes, there you go. Enjoy the bots, everybody. I don't have mods in my chat, so you just have to, you know, some people, strangely enough, believe that anyone with any common sense, which is like everyone, uh, would not know this is a bot and not to click on those links. But anyway, we'll take care of that later. Anyway, yeah, Miko rolls in the yard and on the floor and throws her bumpy bits in the air all the time. So there you go. That was our, our Miko update, including, including a little live bit. All right. Speaking of pets, you ever have fish? I've had everything from a little kid i had one the you know it used to be now of course animal rights people don't let you do that anymore but we used to have like the ring toss at the carnivals and the the, the fair, town fairs and if you got the ring on a certain stick or something you'd win a goldfish in a bag and you know the goldfish would last for a week or two and then it would die and you'd throw it away you'd give it a flush away it would go um <laughs> I got a really funny story about that. I'll tell you about my mom and gerbils and Woolworth's department store and an overcoat. <laughs> Remind me, please. I will tell you the mom Sheldon gerbil story one day. Um, so anyway, you get a goldfish. I've had goldfish. I've had tropical fish. I had a salt water tank with anemones in it, all invertebrates. That was beautiful. It's very a lot of work, very difficult to do to get all the chemicals right and the, the salt levels and things. But if you can get it right, it's nothing like a salt tank, especially one with anemones and invertebrates in it and everything. But anyway, people are people are apparently tossing their pet goldfish into lakes and rivers, and they have created a problem. And it's not a small problem. It's a big problem. Whoa. People toss, look at this. Now, if you're, if you're watching on the podcast, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, it's a visual thing. So go over to rumble.com, Jay Sheldon, no pants. You can see the show, our visual. Uh, people tossing pet fish into the lakes have created monster goldfish the size of footballs. Serious, huh? Look at this. There's the guy's thumb here. Hang on. Let me get my mouse back. There's the guy's thumb. There's his arm coming down. His finger wrapped around. Look at the size. This thing is the size of a football. Uh, American football. Unbelievable. Minnesota. 
is where this is happening, believe it or not. They've issued a notice to residents to stop putting their pet fish and unwanted goldfish into the local lakes and ponds because they're turning into frankenfish. And mess. well, the problem is they're messing with the natural order of things. Uh, okay, they didn't say frankenfish, but if you look at this monster-sized goldfish, uh, they're not exactly the little fishbowl friends you got at the fair. Um, please, here's the thing from the city of Burnsville, Minnesota, municipal government. Please don't release your pet goldfish into ponds and lakes. They grow bigger than you think. Look at that. There's another shot of one. We recently partnered with the city of Apple Valley, Minnesota and Carp Solutions to conduct a fish say, uh, survey on Keller Lake to uh, assess the populations of invasive goldfish. Large groups of goldfish have been observed in recent years on the lake. High populations can contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sentiments and uprooting plants. Look at the size of these things. Hey, hey, Luna Amethyst, welcome. Nice to have you along. Can you believe that? I mean, there were always stories about these enormous rats in the New York City sewers that you know, they breed there and there's so much food for them that they grow to the, the size of large dogs or bigger. I mean, I, I doubt it. But this, this is real. These are monster frankenfish that are growing to the size of footballs in lakes in Minnesota. Unbelievable. And it's causing a lot of problems, too. So, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. So when you have a pet fish, don't throw it in the lake if you don't want it anymore. Give it away to somebody who does. I'm sure many people would love to have a, a pet goldfish. They're relatively easy to keep take care of. Okay, uh, let's see. In the stupid news department, we've got this for you tonight, these headlines. Uh, this is from uh, the truenet.com, but I've seen this story across a number of different news outlets here in Malaysia. Uh, I don't know what the backstory is about this, and frankly, I don't want to know. I'm not going to comment much on it. I'm just going to share the news with you. You can make up your own mind about how stupid or not this is. And uh, two, uh, two of our representatives here, uh, Syed Sadiq and Hannah Yeo, had uh, started food banks. Sadly, the queues for the food banks are giving away free food for people who are hungry, people during this lockdown and pandemic emergency that, that don't have enough money because they're out of work, they can't work, they can't make money, they can't eat, they can't feed their families. A lot of people have started some amazing, amazing efforts to help out. And uh, it's, it's been heartwarming to see all the way that Malaysians come together and help each other during these times of ridiculous crisis. Um, but these food banks run by the Moar and Sagambut members of parliament have been closed because there were so many people waiting in queue that the authorities were worried it might cause an infection outbreak. And so the, this is people waiting to receive aid. I mean... The word isn't dichotomy, but here are people waiting in line for basic food. And they shut these places down because they're afraid of 
the reason they don't have food. I mean, where do you draw that line? Sad, very sad. I, um, yeah, so I just wanted to share that with you to let you know uh, some of the crap that we have to deal with these days, <laughs> including this one, again, not going to make much of a comment, but I'll share. It's from the theworldofbuzz.com. As I've, I have commented before about how ridiculous I think not being able to exercise and get out in the sunshine and vitamin D is. Um, this article popped up. Father and son, were they were not compounded. They were not fined or given a ticket. But they were warned by the Malaysian police. Get this for playing badminton at home in their yard. They're actually, you see here, I don't know if you can see this in the picture, but there's, there's the gate, it's open, and there's some folks in the driveway. My neighbors do the same thing. My neighbor and his kids are out playing badminton in the yard, half in the street, half in the yard, in their own property. What? Anyway, this is the kind of junk we get to put up with these days. Okay, moving on. Because if I keep talking, I'm just going to get myself in trouble and I'm going to get more pissed off and it's going to go downhill from there. So best that we just leave it be. Stupid is as stupid does. Okay, um, one of the things, I don't want to give too much away, but one of the things that we're going to be doing over on Patreon is to help encourage you to read more, which we've always done on this show. We've done 87 episodes after tonight. And nearly from the very beginning, I've encouraged you to read and to read to your kids and encourage your kids to read. And whenever I find them, I, I share stories which will hopefully poke you and encourage you to read to your kids, encourage your kids to read, and read yourself. In fact, we did one, one of my favorite ones, we, it's just a small saying, but it said, find a book that you read when you were a teenager or in your 20s, if you're older now, maybe you're a boomer like me, and read it again because you've had a whole lifetime of experiences. And the way you interpret that book you read back in your 20s or your teens trust me, will be a very different book than the one you read today. Check that out. I saw this. There's not a whole lot of visuals, so not much point in sharing the, uh, the screen here. But they did a study. This was from uh, discovermagazine.com. Hat tip to them. Uh, as you know, audiobooks, very popular. I've recorded professionally several audiobooks, uh, including some children's books, we did a whole series of books for the Scholastic Company, one of the biggest children's books uh, publishers on the planet. So I've done a number of uh, audio recordings professionally of audio books. And people have made the argument that audio books are not as good as reading the book, of actually turning the page, opening it up, or looking at, at it on your tablet or your phone or your laptop, and reading the words on the page. However... They've done a study, and the headline says, audiobooks or reading? To our brains, it doesn't matter. Yeah, 
According to this study, stories stimulate the brain in the same way, regardless of whether they're heard or read. There's a visual uh, illustration of the way audiobooks, when you listen, what parts of the brain are activated, and when you actually read the words on the page, what parts of the brain are activated. You want to do check it out. I think it's it's a paywall site, so you might have to have a, have a subscription. Yeah, in fact, you do. You see down there at the bottom. But I think you get a, a free article you can read. So if you're not already a discovermagazine.com subscriber, you can at least read this one. Check it out. It's Science That Matters. And uh, these color-coded maps of the brain show the semantic similarities during listening, which is at the top, and reading, which is at the bottom. So you don't have to sit still and read a physical book. Listening to the audio version isn't cheating. Uh, some hardcore book nerds think it is, but the new evidence suggests that to our brains, reading a story and hearing a story might just not be all that different. It's a study published in the Journal of Neuroscience. And again, like I said, I'm not going to go into reading the whole article. It's long, too long, didn't read. But uh, if you're interested, check it out. But just know that they've done a study and, um, in fact, listening to a book being read to you or reading it yourself, the brain reacts in very, very similar ways. And I thought that was cool. Because coming up, we're going to give you a chance to listen back to all the books that we've read on our show from way back in episode four or five when we started with The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And uh, we'll tell you about that again coming up, I hope, on Saturday. No promises, but I believe we're going to launch that on Saturday. So you check it out. Okay, uh, some funny stuff, some inspiring stuff. Um, well, one inspiring, one funny, because we, we always like to include these. I don't like to get heavy into all this stuff. If I can do something that's uh, nice and inspiring and makes you stop and think or gives you pause for a moment, that's what we're here to do, because frankly, we all need a freaking break, okay? This was nice. I love this. It's from Soul Food, Soul Food Poetry. It all matters that someone turns out the lamp, picks up the windblown wrapper, says hello to the invalid, pays at the unattended parking lot, listens to the repeated tale, folds the abandoned laundry, plays the game fairly, tells the story honestly, acknowledges help, gives credit, says goodnight, resists temptation, wipes down the counter, waits at the yellow, makes the bed, tips the maid, remembers the illness, congratulates the victor, accepts the consequences, takes a stand, steps up, offers a hand, goes first, goes last, chooses the small portion, teaches the child, tends to the dying, comforts the grieving, removes the splinter, wipes the tear, directs the lost, touches the lonely, is the whole thing. What is most beautiful is least acknowledged. What is worth dying for 
is barely noticed. Sweet. That from Butterflies and Pebbles by Laura McBride. I liked that a lot when I saw that. And I wanted to share that with you. It's sweet. <laughs> All right, I got one more, and then we're going to move on into more of the Jungle Book tonight. And I'll tell you what. Earlier today, I actually drank some of this Chinese tea. It's called Hoyung Hao, I think, something like that. Some, it's like a green package. It's wonderful. When you feel yourself first starting to come down with a cold or a flu, or you get little sniffles, or you're feeling a little heaty, as they say here, um, you just make yourself a nice hot cup of this Hoyan Ho tea, and uh, you'll feel better. Rest up, take a little nap, you'll get up and feel better, which I kind of did. But I thought like I was coming down with a, a cold or something or a flu um, earlier today. I still kind of have that focusing thing. So we'll get through as much of the book as we can tonight. All right. So, but before we do that, I've got one more to share with you, which, um, who shared this? Oh, Kevin Gunlack. Kevin, thank you. I love when you, you share the coolest stuff. But um, this is called Reflections of a Boomer. Boomer here. And uh, when I saw this, I thought, yeah, I got I to gotta put this on the show. It's, it's just too cool not to. Um, listen close, because if you are a boomer, music will pop into your head, and you will know where all these things came from. But I love the way this was put together. Sadly, there's no credit to an author. It's called Reflections. Oh, yes, there is. Uncle Joe, whoever Uncle Joe is. Well, whoever you are, Uncle Joe... A tip of the hat to you. Nice job. Reflections of a boomer. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. I've gone to Kansas City. I sang in the sunshine. I've been on the road again with Georgia on my mind. Like a rolling stone, I've given peace a chance. I've put a camel to bed and danced the last dance. My tambourine man played a song for me. I've whispered words of wisdom. Let it be. I've fallen into a burning ring of fire and walked the line. To all the girls I've loved before, you were always on my mind. I've been everywhere. I've been so lonesome I could cry. I've driven my Chevy to the levee when the levee was dry. I've been to Ichiku Park in a yellow submarine. I've made the scene in a time machine. I've done the hokey pokey and turned myself around. I've welcomed baby back to the poor side of town. I've followed the tracks of my tears down a long and winding road. I've kept on searching for a heart of gold. I've sought shelter from the storm. I've sat at the dock of the bay. I've rocked around the clock on a sunshiny day. I've knocked on heaven's door while blowing in the wind. Joy to the world, those were the days, my friend. Lay, lady, lay in crimson and clover. 
It's been a hard day's night. The party is over. Wow. How nice is that, huh? Uncle Joe, fantastic. I love that. That, um, if you're not a boomer, might not make a lot of sense to you. It is a nice poem. But every line in that poem is a line from a song that was popular when I was a kid and a teenager and growing up a little bit into my 20s and 30s, too. They took some of those songs, too. There's a little Donna Summer in there, some Willie Nelson, just Beatles, everything in between. That was brilliant. I love that. Uh, Uncle Joe, I wish I could give more credit to whoever uh, whoever wrote it or put it together, but that was uh, that was brilliant. Really nice. All righty. Um, we are going to move on. We're moving on up. We're going to move on into <laughs> the Jungle Book. All right. Let's uh, pop up our, there it is, pop up our Jungle Book cover. And uh, we can open up our book and see where we are tonight. When we last left, they'd rescued Mowgli. And it wasn't easy, and they had a hell of a fight. But Mowgli went to sleep on Bagheera's back and slept so deeply that he never waked when he was put down in the home cave. So the start of the next section begins with the road song of the Banderlog. Here we go in a flung festoon, halfway up to the jealous moon. Do you envy our princeful bands? Don't you wish you had extra hands? Wouldn't you like it if your tails were so curved in the shape of Cupid's bow? Now you're angry, but never mind. Brother, thy tail hangs down behind. Here we sit in a branchy row, thinking of beautiful things we know, dreaming the deeds that we mean to do, all complete in a minute or two. Something noble and wise and good, done by merely wishing we would. We've forgotten, but never mind. Brother, thy tail hangs down behind. All the talk we ever have heard, uttered by bat or beast or bird, hide or fin or scale or feather, jabber it quickly and all together. Excellent, wonderful, once again. Now we are talking just like men. Let's pretend we are. Never mind. Brother, thy tail hangs down behind. This is the way of the monkey kind. Then, joining our leaping lines that scum fish through the pines, that rocket by where light and high the wings grape swings. By the rubbish in our wake and the noble noise we make, be sure, be sure, we're going to do some splendid things. What if the hunter bold, brother, the watch was long and cold, what of the quarry ye went to kill? Brother, he crops in the jungle still. Where is the power that made your pride? Brother, it ebbs from my flank and side. Where is the haste that ye hurry by? Brother, I go to my lair 
to die. And our story continues. Now, we must go back to the first tale. When Mowgli left the wolf's cave after the fight with the wolf pack at the Council Rock, he went down to the plowed lands where the villagers lived. But he wouldn't stop there because it was too near the jungle. And he knew that he had made at least one bad enemy at the Council. So he hurried on, keeping to the rough road, and then he ran down the valley and followed it at a steady jog trot for nearly twenty miles till he came to a country that he did not know. The valley opened out into a great plain dotted over with rocks and cut up by the ravines. At one end stood a little village, and at the other a thick jungle came down in a sweep to the grazing grounds and stopped there as though it had been cut off with a hoe. All over the plain, cattle and buffalo were grazing, and when the little boys in charge of the herds saw Mowgli, they shouted and ran away, and the yellow pariah dogs that hang about every Indian village barked. Mowgli walked on, for he was feeling hungry, and when he came to the village gate, he saw the big thornbush brush that noticed was drawn up before the gate at twilight pushed to one side. Umph, he said, for he'd come across more than one such barricade in his night rambles after things to eat. So, men are afraid of the people of the jungle here also. He sat down by the gate, and when a man came out, he stood up, opened his mouth, and pointed down it to show that he wanted food. The man stared and ran back up one street of the village, shouting for the priest who was a big, fat man dressed in white, with a red and yellow mark on his forehead. The priest came to the gate, and with him at least a hundred people, who stared and talked and shouted and pointed at Mowgli. They have no manners, these men-folk, said Mowgli to himself. Only the gray ape would behave as they do. So he threw back his long hair, and frowned at the crowd. "'What is there to be afraid of?' said the priest. "'Look at the marks on his arms and legs. "'They are the bites of wolves. "'He is but a wolf-child run away from the jungle.' Of course, in playing together, the cubs had often ripped Mowgli harder than they intended, and there were white scars all over his arms and legs. But he would have been the last person in the world to call these bites, for he knew what real biting meant. Arr, arr, said the two or three women together, to be bitten by wolves, poor child. He is a handsome boy. He has eyes like red fire. But my honor, Masua, he is not unlike the boy that was taken by the tiger. Let me look, said a woman with a heavy copper ring on her wrist and ankles, and she peered at Mowgli under the palm of her hand. Indeed, he is not. He's thinner, but he has the very look of my boy. The priest was a clever man, and he knew that Masua was the wife to the richest villager in the place. So he looked up at the sky for a minute and said solemnly, what the jungle has taken, 
the jungle has restored. Take the boy into thy house, my sister, and forget not to honor the priest who sees so far into the lives of men. By the bull that brought me, Mowgli said to himself, but all this taking is like another looking over by the pack. Well, if I'm a man, a man I must become. The crowd parted as the woman beckoned Mowgli to her by the hut, where there was a red lacquered bedstead, a great earthen grain chest with funny raised patterns on it. Half a dozen copper cooking pots, an image of a Hindu god in a little alcove, and on the wall was a real looking-glass, such as they sell at the country fairs. She gave him a long drink of milk and some bread, and then she laid her hand on his head and looked into his eyes, for she thought perhaps that he might be her real son, come back from the jungle where the tiger had taken him. So she said, Nathu, oh, Nathu. Mowgli did not show that he knew his name. Dost thou not remember the day when I gave thee thy new shoes? She touched his foot, and it was almost as hard as horn. No, she said sorrowfully, those feet have never worn shoes. But thou art very like my Nathu and thou shalt be my son. Well, Mowgli was uneasy, because he had never been under a roof before. But as he looked at the thatch, he saw that he could tear it out any time if he wanted to get away, and that the window had no fastenings. What is the good of a man, he said to himself at last, if he does not understand man's talk? Now, I am as silly and dumb as a man would be with us in the jungle. I must speak their talk. It was not for fun that he had learned while he was with the wolves to imitate the challenge of bucks in the jungle and the grunt of the little wild pig. So, as soon as Masua pronounced a word, Mowgli would imitate it almost perfectly, and before dark, he'd learned the names of many things in the hut. There was a difficulty at bedtime, because Mowgli would not sleep under anything that looked so like a panther trap as that hut. And when they shut the door, he went through the window. Give him his will, said Methuselah's husband, Masua's husband. Remember, he can never tell till now have slept on a bed. If he is indeed sent... In the place of our son, he will not run away. So Mowgli stretched himself in some long, clean grass at the edge of the field. But before he had closed his eyes, a soft, gray nose poked him under his chin. Phew, said Gray Brother. He was the eldest of Mother Wolf's cubs. This is a poor reward for following thee twenty miles. Thou smellest of wood smoke and cattle, altogether like a man already. Wake, little brother. I bring news. We are all well in the jungle, said Mowgli, hugging him. All except the wolves that were burned by the red flower. Now listen. Shere Khan has gone away to hunt far off 
till his coat grows again, for he is badly singed. And when he returns, he swears he will lay thy bones in the Wangunga. There are two words to that. I have made a little promise, but news is always good. I am tired tonight, very tired, with new things, Grey Brother. But bring me the news, always. Thou wilt not forget that thou art a wolf. Men will not make thee forget, said Grey Brother anxiously. Never. I will always remember that I love thee and all in our cave. But also, I will always remember that I have been cast out of our pack, and that thou hast be cast out of another pack. Men are only men, little brother, and their talk is like the talk of frogs in a pond. When I come down here again, I will wait for thee in the bamboo at the edge of the grazing ground. For three months after that night, Mowgli hardly ever left the village gate. He was so busy learning the ways and customs of men, first he had to wear a cloth around him, which annoyed him horribly. And then he had to learn about money, which he did not like in the least, nor understand, and about plowing, of which he didn't see the use. Then the little children in the village made him very angry. Luckily, the law of the jungle had taught him to keep his temper, for in the jungle life and food depend on keeping your temper. But when they made fun of him because he would not play games or fly kites or because he mispronounced some word, only the knowledge that it was unsportsmanlike to kill little naked cubs kept him from picking them up and breaking them in two. He didn't know his own strength in the least. In the jungle, he knew he was weak compared with the beasts. But in the village, people said that he was strong as a bull. And Mowgli had not the faintest idea of the difference that caste makes between man and man. When the potter's donkey slipped in the clay pit, Mowgli hauled it out by the tail and helped to stack the pots for their journey to the market at Kawanawara. That was very shocking, too, for the potter is a low-caste man, and his donkey is even worse. When the priest scolded him, Mowgli threatened to put him on the donkey, too, and the priest told Masua's husband that Mowgli had better be set to work as soon as possible, and the village headmen told Mowgli that he would have to go out with the buffaloes the next day, and he herded them while they grazed. No one was more pleased than Mowgli, and that night, because he had been appointed a servant of the village, as it were, he went off to a circle that met every evening on a masonry platform under a great fig tree. It was the village club. And the headman, and the watchman, and the barber, who knew all the gossip in the village, and old Buldio, the village hunter, who had a tower musket, met and smoked. The monkeys sat and talked in the upper branches, and there was a hole under the platform where the cobra lived. 
and he had his little platter of milk every night because he was scared. And the old men sat around the tree and talked and pulled the big hookahs, the water pipes, till far into the night. They told wonderful tales of gods and men and ghosts, and Buldeo told even more wonderful ones of the ways of beasts in the jungle, till the eyes of the children sitting outside the circle bulged out of their heads. Most of the tales were about animals, for the jungle was always at their door. The deer and the wild pig rubbed up their crops, and now and again the tiger carried off a man at twilight, within sight of the village gates. Mowgli, who naturally knew something about what they were talking of, had to cover his face, not to show that he was laughing, while Buldeo, the tower musket across his knees, climbed on from one wonderful story to another, and Mowgli's shoulders shook. And that's where we're going to end tonight with our chapter of The Jungle Book. There we go. Nice. Okay, that's The Jungle Book uh, for this uh, session. And we will be back again on Saturday night and uh, bring you more from the amazing story of The Jungle Book. Don't forget also, I think starting Saturday night, we will have a special offer for you uh, through our Patreon page. Over there on Patreon, you can check us out at Jay Sheldon. The offer's not up yet, but we'll have it coming up in, uh, in just a little while. All right, thanks so much, everybody. I will see you again Saturday night. Until then, uh, have a great rest of your work week, if you're working. <laughs> All right, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night, everybody. <laughs>